from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 155 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you are new to the podcast, hello, we are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today on the podcast, I speak with Father James Martin. Father Martin is a Jesuit priest, editor-at-large at America Media, consultor to the Vatican's Dicastery for Communication, and author of many books, including the topic of today, Learning to Pray, A Guide for Everyone. Father Jim not only discusses the many ways to pray— for those who are just beginning and for those who already feel a deep communication to God through prayer, but he also addresses the unique challenges and rewards that we as pastoral musicians experience. Not only that, he was gracious enough to end today's podcast interview with prayer for all who tune in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Father James Martin. How are you today? I'm good. Good to be with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting and talking with us on Ministry Monday about prayer. So that's the topic of today's episode. And today we're going to talk about your book specifically. But before we do, I would just love to give the listeners a chance to learn a little bit about you and prayer. So what made you want to write your newest book about prayer? Well, I'd written a book called The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything a couple of years ago, and I talked a little bit about prayer in there, but it, it seemed to me that there was a real need because so many people in the Catholic world, look, let's face it, um, don't think that they can pray, think they're praying the wrong way, say that when they sit down, nothing happens, they don't know what to expect, and, and I think a lot of people are in that situation. Uh, when I entered the Jesuits at age 27, People would talk about, oh, you know, God felt so close in prayer today, or I feel God inviting me to do this. And I thought, what are you talking about? And so most people, when they close their eyes, they don't know what to expect. And so I wanted a book that would introduce prayer, that would give people techniques. And most importantly, the the heart of the book is what happens when you pray, like what actually happens. So because I think there's so much misconception out there. So who is this book written for specifically? Well, the the subtitle is... (laughs) a guide for everyone. And I really did try to make it accessible and inviting and useful to everybody. I mean, obviously believers, right? But seekers as well. 
Um, it's written obviously from a Catholic point of view and a Christian point of view, but really anybody who who wants to pray and thinks they you know have been able to, or people who have been praying for a long time and need a little bit of an update. Um, and then people that are interested in um, different techniques of prayer. So, um, you know, I did write it for everybody. <laughs> so we'll see if everybody buys it. <laughs> I would hope that they do. Yes, me too. So as we start, what are some of your earliest memories of prayer, if you don't mind sharing that? No, not at all. I put that in the book uh, because I thought it was important to remind people that you know, we can pray when we're children, uh, mainly at the beginning, it was asking God for things, right? I want this, I want that. That's, a, you know, that's petitionary prayer, which is certainly a fine way of praying. A little bit of conversation with God, right? You know, this is why I want these things. Uh, and then I had a few moments that I would say were kind of mystical experiences when I was a kid. I mean, you know, we all have them, and it's just that we're not encouraged to talk about them. Uh, but I, I talk about those kind of child, child, childlike, I don't want to say childish, um, but because that sounds kind of pejorative, but it's not meant to, uh, the kind of prayers that we have at children, it's, it's the way that God initially reaches out to us. And again, we need to be encouraged to see that and, and encouraged to remember that as well. I think too, the relationship between prayer and children or a childlike mentality, I think is so, I believe it's sometimes looked almost like you said, like almost like a negative thing, but it's mm -hmm. not because I believe that children see things in such a, a simple way. And I will only speak for myself that sometimes I get overwhelmed and looking things in such adult complexity yeah. that sometimes I think the reality and also the presence of God is found in a much more stripped back and just a simpler mindset. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that they're more open to different ways of praying. Not, not every child is, is, you know, super spiritual or super religious, but I think that they're in their innocence, they're more open and they're not as burdened by uh, the, all these shoulds. Uh, my old spiritual director used to call it shoulding all over yourself. S H O U L D I N G. <laughs> you know, you can't pray that way. You shouldn't pray that way. Or that's not the way God is. And kids are just more, more free. Uh, now, of course, you know, we, we do move into an adult relationship with God at some point. And so we can't continue to pray as if we were, you know, three years old. And so that's part of the book as well. You know, how do you relate to God as an adult? Right, right. And you go through in the book so many ways to pray with God. And mm -hmm. I think that alone is something to, to mention and to remark upon because I, I experience as a Catholic that, of course, growing up as a cradle Catholic, we are so taught rope prayers. And I know you mm -hmm. talk a lot about rope mm -hmm. prayers in the book, but you know, we are so taught rope prayers and sometimes I think at first, maybe it's just me, but in my rigidity, it, sometimes it's initially harder to step past a rope prayer and yeah. to, to find that improvisational or more conversational voice uh, with God in prayer. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, benefits to rote prayers. I mean, I, I must have said about a billion Hail Marys in my life and <laughs> as many are our fathers. Uh, but, you know, to compare it to a relationship, which is what I do in the book, this is an insight from Father Bill Barry. Uh, you know, that that's not the only way to relate to to God. Right. There are there are many other ways to encounter God in prayer, Ignatian contemplation, Lexio Divina, the examine nature prayer, centering prayer, those kinds of things. And so again, it's like any relationship. You don't relate to a person always in the same way. You know, you kind of mix it up a little bit to get to know the person a little better. 
So I think on the one hand, uh, you know, rote prayer and formal and standardized prayers, as you, as you say, have been denigrated, like, oh, that's a lesser kind of prayer, which is false. On the other hand, you can say that's the only way that we can pray. Right. I mean, who hasn't gotten down to the knees and say, God, I need help. Please help me. You know, it's not a rote prayer. It's not. And, and, and that's that's a perfectly legitimate way to pray. The other part of the book is kind of listening to God in prayer. I think Catholics are pretty good at asking. And as one uh, spiritual director said, uh, you know, talking at God. Right. But it's it's listening. What does that mean? And I talk about that in the book and also listening to God in your daily life. So so, mm-hmm. so it's a conversation. It is a conversation. And you you mentioned in the book, too, that like any relationship or friendship, you don't speak to someone in the same way every time. You know, you see them in person or you call them on the phone right. or in today you also would text or maybe right. email them. And so, you know, growing that prayer relationship with God is the same way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's trying to expand the ways that you can grow that relationship with him. Yeah, I always use the example of imagine if you and I, um, we meet and we become friends and we have this um, a ritual where we go out every Friday night for dinner, okay? Which is great, all right? That's great. Now, if I were to say to you, the only way I can relate to you is by going out at Friday night at six o'clock at this restaurant over dinner. And if I said to all my other friends, in order to develop a friendship with someone, you must go out every Friday night at six o'clock for dinner. People would say, that's crazy. There's lots of different ways of relating to God, but that's sometimes what we do in prayer. And I think, you know, sometimes worse for Catholics is that we impose that on other people. The only way that you can pray, you know, the best way to pray really is fill in the blank. And if you're not praying that way, then you're kind of less than. And so that's, that's the, that's the danger. Like, so, so it's good to have a sort of formalized time to pray and ways that you like to relate, but they can't be, they can't be cast in stone, I would say. Can you talk for a minute also about in that varying relationship with God in prayer, how we as faithful should react or expect or process maybe when we feel that God isn't responding? Yeah, I I talk about that a lot in the book, what happens with unanswered prayers. And I think it's important to be blunt. Now, now I talk a lot about, as I said, listening in prayer. So emotions, insights, memories, desires, feelings, words and phrases, those are really important things that come up in your prayer. But then what you're asking about is, you know, what happens when you ask for something, right? And you don't get it. And we have to be blunt. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for in prayer. Okay. So if you, God forbid, if you have someone in your family who's sick and you ask them to get better, you ask God for healing and they don't, and they die, it's important for you to say, I did not get what I asked for in prayer. And there's lots of different answers. And I talk about them in the book. You know, one of them is, oh, God gives you something better, which, you know, I mean, if you're talking to someone who's relative has died, that's a very, it makes God out to be a sadist almost, (laughs) you know, God gives you something that you can't understand, which makes God out to be like a trickster, right? You got to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes it is true. Sometimes God gives you something else. So if you're praying about a relative who's, who's sick and you get patience and, you know, wisdom and kind of comfort, that that's great, you know, but we have to ask the question of why don't we get what we ask for all the time? Uh, in the way we want it. And I think the answer is, um, as I say in the book, it is a mystery, right? We don't understand it. And part of the invitation is to believe in a God that we don't understand completely, right? You know, my ways are not your ways. So I I find sometimes the answers that people give to that question can be really um, destructive for people's spiritual lives. And so I think it's important to say, we don't know, you know, we really don't know that answer. 
-hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think too, I really was impacted when I read your book and you talked about also the fact that you might be okay to sit in silence and stillness mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is something that I'll be honest, I'm not good at. <laughs> well, you know, look, a lot of people aren't good at that and that's okay. Like, that's okay. Like if you're someone who is, whose prayer uh, sort of, I want to say demands, but ask for more kind of images and words, great. But then there's some people who come to me with as a spiritual director and say, I can't do all that. I can't do all the words and the images and imagining myself. So I just want to sit with God in silence. Fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think the, the invitation, though, is to be open to it. So let's say to, to use the analogy, because it's, it's the great analogy, you know, prayer is a relationship. If you and I meet for that, you know, uh, mythical uh, Friday night at six o'clock, you know, right. every single week. <laughs> and I say, hey you know what, um, this weekend, why don't we take, why don't we go on a hike? And when we're on the hike, we don't say anything. You know, I mean, because it would be kind of weird to be, you know, like, oh, look at that, look at that bird, you know, and we're just enjoying one another's company in silence. The point is, can you, can you try it? You know what I mean? Now, at the end of the hike, you might say, you know what, I think I like the dinners better. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's okay. So it, it is that flexibility. Not everyone will like the long periods of silence some people do and some people who are on a hike go out to dinner and you're like you know i like the hike better <laughs> <laughs> i mean we you know it, with any relationship like you say in the book you know we, a married couple does not talk the entire yeah. time there are long right. periods of silence especially mm -hmm. or if you're just traveling with someone on a road trip mm -hmm. you know you, you don't have to fill the void every time yeah and in fact in the book i quote a friend of mine uh, i forget who it is um who said that in fact in some of those places talking would be out of place hmm. like let's say i mean you know something crazy if you're you know if you're like watching a sunset or something just watching the sun silently and you start you know babbling <laughs> it might just be like we like shut up <laughs> so sometimes it's out of place sometimes it's it's the right thing to do um now by the same token again if you're struggling and you know you have someone in your family who's who's sick to, to not ask for something to not say something would also be artificial and unnatural so again it's that that relationship again that came from bill barry it's just the best analogy it's so helpful to kind of help us in a sense diagnose our prayer and, and look at it it's really really very helpful let's transition to to of course the focus or maybe a topic of focus for a lot of people who are listening to this episode, because a lot of us who listen to Ministry Monday are pastoral ministers and especially pastoral musicians. And again, I will only speak for myself that I have been in pastoral ministry for 22 years. And I can tell you that my experience with prayer is a little bit complicated because we as pastoral musicians are literally we're working yeah, during the, during the mass and mm -hmm. so you know do you have any reflections for pastoral musicians <laughs> yes. on on that right there yeah i do i'm laughing because i sometimes have the experience now i i want to say as i as i always say when i speak to this group thank you for your ministry thank because you. i always say there are there are two things that people come to for mass okay and i know you're it's doing it beyond mass you're doing other kinds of liturgy and mu music uh for people to worship one the homily to the music I mean, that's basically, that's what people really, you know, respond to. 
And um, I think one of the reasons I'm laughing is that I find that if I'm celebrating mass as the presider, particularly at this moment, uh, at the um, at the post communion hymn, or sort of towards the end of the communion hymn, and I'm kind of sitting there, and I'm listening, and I might get really into it. And I have to sort of say to myself, well, wait a minute, wake up. You gotta, you gotta pray now. You gotta say something. So I would imagine that, you know, and I was just at mass the other day at church of St. Paul, the apostle and listening to the organist. I'm not a musician myself, but I would imagine there's a way of praying as you're working. That's the first thing. Okay. That, that you might really get into it and really, you know, when you're singing, when you're, when you're playing, uh, you know, when you're sort of performing in a sense, and to trust that God can connect with you in those moments, right? Even though you're working, right? I mean, when I preside at mass, sometimes I'm very moved, you know, by the words of the mass. So that's the first thing. The second thing is not to get upset if that doesn't happen, or if you're so focused on your work that you can't, in a sense, let go of that and relax. That's okay, too. So I would say that, you know, for pastor musicians, of course, I'm not an expert, but to be okay with both to be open to the possibility that God will encounter you in a very profound way when you are performing or let's say working, you know, if you're a, if you're kind of the, the, the head of music minister and you are, uh, you know, more in charge of kind of organization, right. You're not actually performing, right. Cause I know there are different kinds of music ministry to be open to that. Um, but also not to beat yourself up if you go to mass and, you know, it's like the Easter vigil or something and you feel so, not much going on inside because you're so focused on the, you know, 300 songs that you have to, <laughs> you have to sort of or play, right. Or organize or conduct or sing. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so it's to be open to both things. And that the, the person who is in a sense, you know, during the Easter vigil or the midnight mass for Christmas, not able to, or doesn't feel like they're encountering God should not feel guilty and, uh, you know, but by the same token might be able to go home and reflect on things, you know, and, and experience God there. So for example, I am not always moved during mass. I'm not, you know, but sometimes I am, you know, and I don't beat myself up by saying, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a bad priest because I'm not moved because I know it's ministry. Someone said to me once, I love this. I really, this is from a spiritual director. Um, excuse me. The best uh, conductor, the best wire conductor, right? If you think about it, I don't know much about electricity, doesn't get hot. Hmm. So in other words, the best conductor of the spirit, and there's a sort of play on words, doesn't, you know, may not feel anything. Hmm. So an efficient wire, right? You know, you want to touch it. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't get warm. So it's interesting. So I would say be okay with however God is going to encounter you during your ministry. Mm -hmm. Part of that is also looking at, uh, I talk about the examination of conscience, you know, reviewing your day and seeing where God is present in your, in your day-to-day -day life, you know, in your, in your relations with the other people in the pastoral team, in the parish, the pastor, right? The musicians, the choir members, right? Parishioners. So there's, there's that as well. Where is God active in that part of your ministry? I could almost see the examine that, that actually I'll, I will openly say I'm about halfway through your book right now. I'm loving it. And I'm, I just finished the area of the examine. And I, I really think that it would be a great spiritual practice for a music minister to budget in their time, if you will, an extra 45 minutes, maybe a half hour immediately after mass is done mm. and the church is quiet mm. to sit 
and reflect on the events of the morning because you, Father, you also know that in the midst of this wonderful, beautiful mass, uplifting music, wonderful just spirit from the congregation, you're almost done and someone, you know, is greeting you in the back and says, my daughter wants to be baptized here. How do I go about doing that? How do I join RCIA? My, my, my husband really wants to, to reach out about faith. You know, and you have all these people that are reaching out to you and you so, there's just so many people talking to you. And it's, I think sometimes so hard to absorb everything that mm. you experience. So I think it would be great for pastoral ministers and pastoral musicians specifically to sit in the space, or maybe it's at home and reflect in an examine about the, the goings on of the day. I think you're totally right. I mean, the exam, that's a very good point. The examine is usually um, done for like the whole day, but there's mm -hmm. something that uh, is called, which I didn't talk about in the book, but you're bringing up is called the particular examine kind of mm -hmm. focusing on one thing and yeah. And maybe even 15 minutes, right. To just kind of to take a moment and maybe not go out in the steps of the church, you know, where people will, you know, sort of accost you, but sit in the pew and just, you know, pray about what happened and maybe go back to a moment that did move you. I mean, I find, look, I, I'll have to say, I find that, you know, moments and phrases uh, in songs, right, really are, are quite powerful to me. And to be able to go back to that, you know, you can't, you know, as a priest and as a musician, you can't be bursting into tears, you know, when you're doing your job. I mean, you can, right. you know, and sometimes it happens, but right. you usually say, look, I got to get through this. Right. But to go back to that point, um, mm -hmm. Ignatius calls that repetitio, repetition, going back to that and seeing what God might want to say to you about that. I'll tell you something that I do. It's a, and maybe other pastor musicians do this. I find that um, the church I, I help out at the most, uh, St. Ignatius Loyola, has a stunning music ministry. I mean, it is just stunning. And I find that if there's a song that um, I find, this, now this, is, this is different, I'm not a musician. If there's a song that I find very moving in the mass, I'll come home and find it on my phone and play it. And in a sense, be able to kind of revisit it and relive it and then experience all the emotions and cry or feel uplifted or just listen to the song or listen to the words. And that's, that's a kind of examine to kind of go back. But I think you're right. I think that helps everybody. And we all need times to just reflect and say what just happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we wrap up, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to take this as a moment to reflect in whatever way you so choose. Would you be willing to lead us, the listeners, in some type of prayer right now? I'd be happy to. So let's just take a moment and be grateful for all of our different ministries, especially uh, the ministry of music. Whether you're a director of music ministry or a choir member or a composer or a musician yourself, someone on the pastoral team who has responsibility for music, let's just take a moment and be grateful for that call, that vocation. Loving God, you called us with our talents and our gifts and our weaknesses and our struggles into this beautiful ministry of music, which helps your people pray twice. Help us to be aware of the ways that you're at work in our vocations. Help us to be aware of the ways that you work in our music and in the people we serve. Give us always an openness and a sense of trust and wonder in all that you do. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be with you. So of course, Learning to Pray is now out. Where can people find your book? 
As they say, everywhere books are sold, uh, you can get it <laughs> online. It's in a uh, print version, of course, as well as uh, audio. I read the book online uh, and an ebook. So anywhere you can, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble and bookstores, anywhere online, you can get it. So I, I'll admit, I actually got both. I got the audiobook and the, the uh, Amazon, the, the ebook version, because I don't know, I, I, I am naturally an audiobook person. That's great. And yeah, I have to say, I really like the audiobook well, in thanks. particular. Can yeah. I tell you a funny story about music? Yes. You'll love this. And I think mm -hmm. the NPM members will like this too. So uh, at one point in the book, um, I quote a hymn, I think a few times, but it's the um, uh, immortal, ineffable, God only wise, you know, that beautiful story, that beautiful hymn. And so I'm quoting the hymn and I said to the audio people, well, do you want, no, I don't have a very good voice, but I said, do you want me to sing it? Because I'm actually quoting it but on a in an audio book mm -hmm. you would want to hear the hymn right and you know it's like a little phrase right. and they said no you can't because we would have to pay royalties <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true isn't that's, that interesting so yeah. i was unable to so i just said it out loud which is pretty funny <laughs> did that feel kind of it did yeah immortal yeah. ineffable god only wise <laughs> invisible i just it just it seems so clunky <laughs> well, there, I mean, there's, there's, there's an interesting idea there that, you know, of course, the text and the music are so wedded to one yes. another, I think, you know, it, right. it, it does, it feels, it feels a little bit disconnected when we just say the, the text. Right. And, and you know, that anybody who's uh, reading it, who knows the hymn will fill in the music, you know, right. so it was pretty funny. So they said, no, no, he said, no, you're actually prohibited from doing that. I'm actually, I'm, I, it's in my head right now. I can hear it. <laughs> there you go. Listen, good to be with you. Thank you, you too. And thank you for your time. Learning to Pray is out in wherever you find books. I highly recommend it. And thank you for helping us as pastor musicians and pastoral ministers pray better. Thank My you. pleasure. And thank you for helping me pray better. Thank you. Thanks so much to Father Martin for his time today. Learning to Pray, A Guide for Everyone is now available wherever you buy books and audiobooks. Additional links can also be found in the show notes at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise was produced by Oregon Catholic Press. And the theme music for this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.
Yeah.